If you enjoy our videos and podcasts and would like us to continue putting out regular quality content, head over to patreon.com forward slash aircrewinterview where you can donate monthly and in return you will get rewards ranging from early interview viewings, bonus clips, credited as a producer and much more. Thank you and enjoy. So Rain, what did you do after you came back from uh, live operations? Well, so coming back, I actually met my son for the first time. He was born oh, while wow. I was gone. But uh, I spent about a year and a half at Shaw after the deployment, and there we're back into a normal training routine. So we're back to practicing defensive counter air, suppression of air defenses, but it's a normal, more or less, Monday through Friday type job um, with occasional TDYs out to Las Vegas for training and things like that. But that was a normal flow for the next 18 months or so. Wow. And then in 2017, I mean, this is why people know you, became the Viper demo pilot. Can you talk us through this? Because I've seen some of your displays and wow, amazing, incredible. <laughs> it's an awesome plane. No, I, I was lucky, right place, right time with the right qualifications. I put my name in the hat and was fortunate enough to be selected to be the next demo pilot um, and spent two and a half years flying the F-16 demo across the globe which was by far, I think, the best job. It is the best job that's out there and probably the best job I'll ever have. I'm always waiting to see what's next, but uh, definitely a great time doing that. So how many uh, pilots actually apply to be the demo pilot? You know, I, I don't know. So it is that is Shaw-specific. We used to have two right. F-16 demos in the U.S., East Coast, West Coast, after sequestration when uh, the government shut down back in 2013. Mm-hmm. When everything came back, only one Viper demo emerged uh, due to budgetary constraints. So uh, for the F-16, we keep it at Shaw specific, like the F-22, for instance, they actually do a call across their entire F-22 fleet Mm -hmm. asking for pilots to apply. And why we do it that way, I have no idea, but that's (laughs) that's just, I guess, someone somewhere decided, hey, boss X, Y, or Z uh, gets (laughs) to choose, and that's how it's going to be. So again, right place, right time. Well, a very lucky man. But uh, can you talk us through who designs the actual display routine? Yeah, so our design is actually written into our regulations. Okay. Uh, and it, it is the same routine, more or less, that's been around since the mid-90s. There's been some tweaks. We've actually removed uh, one maneuver. We added in an extra high-speed pass. The only thing the demo pilot can tweak is really the repositions that we do. So in between each segment, we have two options. We can do a vertical reposition, so climb up and do a split S right back down into it, or you can check away at 45 degrees. That's when you see the rolling reposition. As far as yeah, being able to tweak it or modify it, it requires a lot of work. When I flew at Oshkosh in 2018, I had to modify the profile because it was supposed to be non-aerobatic. So I actually had to remove all the aerobatic maneuvers, get that display approved for that sequence, go practice it in the simulator, go practice at my home station, and then have the wing commander watch me during mm-hmm. a practice in order to certify it, and then I can awesome. go fly it. Yeah, Oshkosh. So you, we can modify it. It's just a, it's a really extensive process in order to do it. Yeah, it's really strange because we have, I'm guessing you're familiar with the Typhoon, but uh, every year they change the display, and the pilot normally gets to do the display, which... I thought America would be, you know, the same or the USA would be the same. But uh, 
yeah, maybe yeah. it's just more um, more rules and regulations over there. Yeah, the Canadian Hornet demo, they each year they change it up. Uh, I was actually we have a Dutch exchange pilot who was assigned to the Gamblers, talking to him. So when the Dutch had their F sixteen demo. Every year, the demo pilot would change it up. They'd actually give the routine to the university to let the aeronautical engineers go through it and like validate it as kind of like one of their capstone projects, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. But yeah, for whatever reason, we don't change it. I think a lot of it is, you know, hey, in itself, I think it's a pretty cool demo. Most people are only going to see it once, you so know, keep it on average. Kind of thing. Yeah. And so you just, it's going to be loud. It's going to be in your face. Like the objective is to go out there and like reach people, inspire people. And I think it does it in itself. But, you know, I flew it, I think 300 and probably 60 some odd times, you know? So, um, it was, it was a lot of the same, but I was never bored doing it. Yeah. How can you get bored with that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was a lot of fun. So once you obviously uh, became the demo pilot, can you talk us through when your uh, flying training started and was how did it even work? Were you, all, were you in a two-seater when it started? Yeah, so you, it's about a 20-ride upgrade program, which is right. fairly extensive as far as upgrades go in fighter community. But it's like 15 minutes sorties, so that's why it's so long. Yeah. But you have about nine rides uh, in a two-seat, the D model the family model, um, where you'll go out initially over at 5,000 feet for two sorties just to go through the maneuvers. Then you'll come back over the field at 2,000 feet, then 1,000 feet, then step down to 500 feet for about nine rides total, and then eventually work your way down to 300 feet, which is our min, tar- our min target altitude is 300 feet, but the min altitude at 200 feet. Mm-hmm. And you'll just practice at that was quite extensive as far as visibility goes. So we have uh, initially our operations group commander, who's a, a colonel, will review it at about the 15-ride program or 15-ride mm-hmm. point and certify you. And that steps you down to the 300-foot level. Then another two rides, the wing commander, who owns the entire base, will watch you uh, and approve it. And then it goes up to a two-star general. And you do a demo in front of the two-star. And then finally you go and you actually have to travel typically – and go fly in front of the commander of air combat command, who's a four star and he will certify you. So there's a lot of eyes on this. Every ride has a grade sheet. So as a demo pilot, you are view your HUD tape, make sure you didn't miss anything like an altitude or an airspeed. They didn't recognize airborne, which would be a bad thing, but you grade everything based on the criteria, the video, the grade sheet, all that goes up and makes it to a two star each and every time. So uh, there's a lot of visibility that gets put on this. We've had, we've had a couple people killed. And I don't know if you saw, uh, the Pakistani air force yeah. just had an F 16 crash not too long ago and looking at it, you know, again, I don't have all the details, but it looks like he was performing a split S. So, uh, when it comes down to it, there, you know, there's just no margin for error. So our altitude or airspeed is so incredibly important. And I think that's why we put so much visibility on it in the U S. Absolutely. I think that's definitely important, but, uh, what so like from flying training to being certified? How long is that period? So starting the process in about December, mid December time frame, as far as actual flying and spin up. By the time you're through all your rides, you're looking about middle of no, or February to be completely certified. Mm-hmm. And typically in the the winter time, probably much like England, you know, the weather just gets worse, the ceilings are lower, so it just takes a little bit longer in order to get through, you know, factor in Christmas holiday and things like that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about a two, two and a half month process from start to finish. You could do it much shorter. In fact, like with my replacement, uh, we kind of did two iterations of it, but my replacement is flying now. We did a compressed timeline where we were flying constantly. And it's exhausting. So on an average sortie, 15 minutes, you're going to burn somewhere between 300 and 700 calories. Wow. Uh, so, you know, you do the, you fly twice in one day, especially in the beginning. Like it, it is absolutely draining. So we try to space it out too in the training to kind of like give you time to recover so that you can fully process and learn from the previous sortie and go out and apply it on the next. And was this uh, a full-time role or were you also uh, on a frontline fighter squadron at the time? So full-time job, and we're actually as a demo pilot, that can be our only responsibility. That said, as single ship demo pilots, we still maintain our mission qualification. So I would have to do a mission check every single year, check ride. So right. um, it becomes a, a pretty big challenge. And it, it, you know, the dynamics of it, it gets to be cumbersome to get into the squadron and fly tactical sorties because you're just taking resources away from them. Yeah. So during like surge operations where they needed extra bodies, I would always fly as much as I could with them. But typically, you know, maintenance attrition or weather, the first guy who's going to get cut is you because you don't need that proficiency sortie in whatever mission set you're going out to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, you know, I would try to fly as much as I could, but it typically would be just flying a bunch of demos in order to stay, keep the air up, up underneath me. Yeah. And this could be a difficult or an easy one for you, Rain. Favorite maneuver or pass uh, from your time on the demo? You know, I really like the dedication pass. It is a tough one because it's a lot of fun, but the dedication pass, you're low, you're hauling the mail like 620 knots, nine G's, just trying to again rip the stick off. Uh, but that's usually you're always going to get that vapor coming over the wings. And you know we do that pass too. You know, you know the narration. Yeah, you know, we're doing it for those who've gone before us and served, who've made the ultimate sacrifice. So the that piece of it too definitely adds to why it's my favorite maneuver. Yeah, I think my probably favorite maneuver. I think. Uh, did you you flew at Riyadh, didn't you? Uh, no, okay. no, it was actually, that, that was Toro. Yeah, it was Toro. It was a Toro. Oh, okay. It, well, f- from your demo, um, it was probably uh, where you like put the reheat to the crowd. Um, I think yeah. that was uh, great, like oh, minimum yeah, radius that, turn or something. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Falcon turn too. That's where you turn ninety out, and it's just can on the crowd, uh, which is yeah, that's another one that's good. And again. It's just trying to make as much noise as possible and go as fast as you can, is what I always said. And it certainly makes some bloody noise, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a memorable show or air show you flew at that sticks out in your mind, Rain? Uh, I was so fortunate because I did I, I, a lot. I mean, there's so many that I got you know, from, I think Miami is probably the most memorable flying low around buildings and things like that. But it really came oh, down to like, people. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different people in the air show industry all these different places that put on incredible shows you got to work with. Uh, it was just really cool from, you know, again, I flew everywhere from like Rio Negro to Canada to the middle East. And it was just a really awesome experience to be able to travel and kind of showcase the U S air force and F 16 to people all across the globe. It was definitely a cool experience. Did you ever have to like just pinch yourself and think like, this is crazy. It, you know, I would have that moment, honestly, in the jet flying with doing the heritage flight with a Mustang. Yeah. Because you can actually hear the Merlin motor 
oh, on its wing. Really? You know, which you think about, you're oh. in the cockpit making a bunch of noise, you got your helmet on, double ear protection, and you can still hear that motor. Because you know, that's the plane I fell in love with as a kid. My grandfather was a gunner on a B-17 in World War II. So wow. tying all that in for me was <clears throat> one of those where like, hey, I'm three feet from a priceless warbird that has no ejection seat. I need to be really focused right now. Yeah. <laughs> you have to put yourself back and say, this is real life. This is crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so jealous. Uh, but uh, <laughs> So how, how would you compare the U.S. Uh, demo compared to like our European counterparts, you know, like the Belgians or uh, Denmark and stuff like that, or even the Turks? Yeah, so I've, uh, I, I know Vader. I've met Vader a couple of times. I've never seen his display in person. I've only watched it online. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's just an AB the entire time, which would probably be just he epic is, to yeah. watch. <laughs> so really, it, it's cool. So the, the F-16 demos I got to see, any of the Typhoon uh, at Dubai and Bahrain, it was fun to watch those and see the different capabilities of those planes and what they showcased, you know, um, you know, obviously the F-16 is like the most, like the one I understand the most. And I saw the Emirati Block 60 fly twice. So just seeing how they, I guess what they want to focus on, because I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I, for me, I was like, hey, I want to focus on, I. you just watched me pull 9Gs and now I can climb straight up and I'm accelerating, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. maybe some there's a little bit more finesse in the rolling. It just kind of depends. So I always like watching to see what, that pilot is trying to show with yeah. that plane. Awesome. So, Rain, how many years did you actually fly with the team? I did two and a half years as a demo pilot, which normally built for two years. I got a little extension on the back end, which, yeah, I wasn't complaining about because it was awesome to be able to fully leave active duty Air Force flying the F-16 demo. But uh, I'm going to ask a, a few questions uh, from our patrons here, Rain, uh, before we get into the last few questions uh, that are a bit more personal. But uh, if you're happy with that? Yeah, sounds good. Right, so this is from Gary Fairley. The Solo F-16 is about showing the jet and its performance capabilities to the highest level. But how do you adapt uh, and coordinate your routine when flying with older and slower aircraft in the Heritage flight? Yeah, so Gary, it's definitely a challenge because that last pass in the demo profile is the dedication pass. In there, you're exiting, you know, show left, doing about 620 knots, and you pulled nine and a half Gs that entire time. Not to mention, you know, the previous 12 minutes, you're ripping your face off. Uh, Again, so the heart rate is up, and you're really just, again, as you said, you're trying to max perform that 16 and showcase that. So it is just a controlled effort to, during that rejoin, which is anywhere from 15 seconds to, you know, 45 to 60 seconds, kind of catch your breath, let things settle down. And then knowing too, if you're not quite there yet, like you can just be a little wide before you move it in position. But that I think, and I've said it before, is probably the most challenging piece of it because it's very easy to fly by yourself. You're not worried about anything. But when you go from flying by yourself maximum performing the aircraft to going to the low end of the spectrum, the back end of the power curve, flying slower than F-16 wants to fly next to this priceless Warbird with no ejection seat. 
<laughs> is really it is a bit challenging and requires a lot more focus after you just exerted yourself for 12 15 minutes uh what specific block of f16 eg block 30 block 52 would you fly a 1v1 bfm and why mm. well i want to fly anything that has a pratt and whitney engine if i have a ge engine because it'll be a lot easier to clobber it um but you know, the, the block 30, like big mouth motor, clean jet, like it's got a lot of power. It's a lot. Some guys will get into it. I have never fought another F-16 that has analog flickus. So the block 50 that I flew has digital flickus, so flight control logic there. And from what I've heard, the analog flickus will allow you to actually get a quicker rate per second in some instances. All right. So a lot of like our European allies, like I think it's coming from like our Dutch exchange pilot. Uh, who prime example of having to flown their block tens uh, to go into fly the block 50, you know, he's, he's kind of seen it all and I don't have that experience, but um, I think when it comes down to it, if I can fly anything with a two, you know, two designation behind it for a Pratt Whitney engine, that's the easy answer. <laughs> yeah. And the final uh, uh, patron question that I've chose is from Joe Kunzler. Hey, Rain, uh, can you tell us how easy is it to drop a JDAM from the F-16? Well, uh, it depends, but it is pretty easy. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. So on that deployment, it was not uncommon to be you're a two-ship and you're going to drop eight bombs in one pass, four between each aircraft. When it comes into that, making sure that you have the right coordinates, everything is dialed in, you're giving the bomb the right you know, kinematic energy is really important and sometimes challenging when you factor in weather. But inherently, the JDAM is definitely much easier than anything else we've ever done. There are just new complexities that go about it. Um, and so I'd say coming down to it, it would be a lot of practice between the flight leader and the wingman where we would make sure we've read back, we've gotten the right info, we've understood the information correctly that's come from the ground. We've inputted all that data into our systems and you're doing a lot of button pushing. So the, the ability to make an error is, is increased. Reading that back between the aircraft, doing all this in a very timely manner while positioning the formation so that we're able to run in and drop weapons as fast as possible is the challenging part to that. But again, it comes down to it. You've either generated a coordinate with your, your targeting pod and taken that, la that laser GPS information and, and squirt it into the bomb, or you've typed in the coordinates. And so it really can be pretty easy. Well, uh, great answers there. And thank you very much for answering our patrons' questions there. And uh, we're going to get some personal questions to get a bit uh, more behind the man. Uh, so uh, do you have any hobbies, Rain? Yeah, I'm actually a big woodworker. I have... Yeah. I've yeah, I've neglected it the past couple of years with all my moves in the Air Force, but now kind of settled down in the Atlanta area. And so looking to build my, you know, final, my woodworking shop. But I've, I grew up helping my dad in the house. We were always like, we're, I kind of, my you know, perpetual project was finishing our, our basement um, and redoing that. So I've always kind of taken that from being able to do work around the house to, to building furniture is kind of where I, like to do, and then general aviation. I'm getting back into that now. Awesome. Can't you know? There's been some nice weather here lately, and watching these like RV eights fly around is kind of killing me. <laughs> and I reckon I know the answer to this question, but favorite aircraft you have flown? 
Yeah, I mean that's easy. It's F sixteen. You know, like there's nothing there's nothing that will beat that. I don't think. Uh, is there an aircraft you wish you could have flown that you haven't? There, I mean, there are a lot. I think in the end, the Mustang is the plane I want to fly because that's the one I fell in love with as a kid. Um, but you know, all of them are unique and all of them have different qualities, obviously. Um, but I think if I could get into a Mustang, I'd be a pretty happy camper. Yeah, I think that would be uh, probably one of my favorites as well. I'd yeah. love to get into that thing or just any aircraft, really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you also have an awesome new podcast uh, called The Afterburner. Can you tell us about this and where can we find it? Yeah, The Afterburn Podcast. It's on iTunes, Google, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. But what I'm trying to do is bring together a community of aviators, military, whatever it might be, to share their stories. Because everyone has a story. We can all learn from one another. Um, And so far, you know, it's been a mix of of aviators and, and you know, Army, I just had uh, episode eight, Caleb Brewer, Green Beret, stepped on a pressure plate IED in Afghanistan, lost uh, both his legs, uh, one above the knee, one below the knee. I actually met him while surfing. I did an air show in California. Wow. Uh, individual took a surfing and I met Caleb there. I was, I was flailing, just trying to surf and Caleb's over there surfing. Uh, you know, so he's a true inspiration to me. And I think a lot of people will find that, but is bringing people together like Caleb and sharing their story so that the world knows, like, hey, we all go through things. We all have hurdles. We all have obstacles. But you're not there alone. Someone's probably done it before or dealt with something similar, and maybe you can learn from it. So is this like a weekly podcast, a monthly podcast, or just when you have the time to get these episodes out? Like, how, Tell us about this. Yeah, so every two weeks uh, I have that there, and then I also have a Patreon website as well with some additional content and a lot of Patreons participating questions. And then just, again, early access to content and just a little bit additional content that you won't get there to kind of fill the gaps between every two weeks. Hopefully one day be able to grow and have a little bit more frequency, but I just don't have the time in my life. You, I, I know you can attest putting these podcasts together is actually, it's, it's quite intensive as far as the workload that goes into it. So I guess if I did this as my full-time job, I'd have more, but I just that doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is my full-time job, but yeah, I, I don't think people yeah understand. They just think, like, where's the next episode? And you're like, well, it takes a lot of time and work, okay. and uh, unfortunately, people you know don't understand that. But I think um, we can find you on Twitter as well. No, Instagram. Could you tell us where we what your handle is for that? Yeah, Rainwaters27 over on Instagram. And obviously there's a lot of content I have from the demo days, just trying to mix general aviation uh, all together there. So people looking for some cool videos and photos, there might be one or two up there, I think. Yeah, um, I think it's a great, uh, you've got a great uh, little channel there and it's absolutely brilliant. But if you can tell people where to find you on Patreon, have you got like the address for that? Yeah, it's the Afterburn podcast. So if they go to Patreon, dot com backslash the afterburn podcast or just search for the afterburn podcast they'll be able to find it there and again you know the the hope is to be able to bring more content to people and patreon is an awesome platform to be able to support the show get more content and that's that's the plan that's the goal is hopefully expand and grow into into more because as you can mentioned too like we were trying what is it the 24th i think for about a month now we've been trying to to link up so (laughs) it's a lot of effort certainly is but uh yeah 
hopefully um, your channel's going to grow and your content's going to grow because it's absolutely brilliant. I think you're a great host on the podcast and uh, yeah, great content on Instagram. And Rain, I just want to thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely brilliant to hear, you know, a bit of your story. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Awesome.